Hey everybody, uh, this is Kevin, uh, and I'm today with amazing guest uh, Mohamed Kurd and uh, my co-host Yasin, uh, and this is the Data Driven Supply Chain Podcast. Um, let, let's begin with a quick introduction from our, from our guest today, Mohamed. So the mic is yours. Uh, who are you? What do you do? And uh, what bring you with us today? Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Kevin, for having me and Yassine. So uh, welcome uh, to the call and thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Mohamed Kurid, uh, background in mechanical engineering from McGill University, uh, graduated in 2018. And then ever since I started my career, I went into aerospace, stayed there for a year, worked with Avia Aerospace Systems that was uh, in collaboration with uh, multiple uh, clients in the ecosystem and then uh, after having uh, stayed there for close to a year uh, i got an opportunity to switch uh, and go into consulting workday finance consulting in particular with pwc so i took that opportunity because it was a good segue into learning more about businesses and processes and just change management in general uh, got uh, into pwc uh, in 2019 january 2019 uh, they shipped me to Chicago for training uh, for the uh, ERP functionality. Stayed there for uh, a month. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about the period that uh, 2019 January was the coldest period they've ever had in over 50 years. Literally, oh, yeah. planes were not <laughs> taking off, and I was there during that time. That's how lucky I was. So, uh, got started my career there. Uh, got certified in uh, core finance and uh, came back to Montreal uh with uh brand new certifications and qualifications uh as soon as i got back i got certified in additional work streams and the first ones that i actually got were pertaining to ap so accounts payable uh everything related to procurement we're talking about suppliers taxes uh and then i got certified in uh inventory so supply chain management uh material management and uh just overall structure of the organization with the material movement structure um got started directly with multiple clients as per uh, consulting agencies uh, stayed there for over three years uh, got promoted uh, did the whole nine yards uh, had the opportunity to work with a lot of big organizations in quebec uh, and basically uh, i could name a few ftq ssq kojiko uh, and in ontario and multiple other provinces in canada and before uh, i actually joined a u.s practice so uh, mercer Canada was the practice that I joined, working 100% for the US. So uh, after having left PwC, I just picked up uh, from there and continued my, with my career uh, in the new organization, stayed there for over a year and uh, decided that it was enough. Uh, I didn't necessarily uh, feel the need to stay longer. Uh, I started my own uh, organization, my own structure and started off by getting some clients. So uh, I've been really uh, specializing a lot in uh, healthcare. Uh, I've done insurance companies, I've done uh, manufacturing, uh, software, gaming, uh, nonprofits, uh, you name it. So I, I got exposure on quite a few industries and uh, that's basically where we are today uh, with uh, me helping organizations and their ERP implementations, uh, regardless of the ERP software itself. Uh, we're talking about SAP, Workday, Oracle, and uh, obviously my functional knowledge is going to be more around the workday ecosystem, AP, AR, and supply chain management. Uh, those are my key areas. So doing... Cool. Yeah, yep. you're, you're like the Swiss knife of sub, a supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, like, yeah, you can do the whole thing. You just, we just drop you somewhere and then poof, <laughs> and process ourselves. 
And it's funny, exactly, it's yeah. funny, Kevin, how many entrepreneurs <laughs> we get into the podcast yeah. uh, in supply chain in general. So, uh, yeah, cool. Nice. Nice to, to have you. Uh, uh, Mohamed uh, used to work with you also. And yeah. uh, I saw you at McGill uh, uh, learning along in, the, in this uh, engineering background. Uh, so pretty cool to have you here today. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. For sure, and I do agree. Like the Swiss knife uh, comparison is pretty accurate, and and I saw also um, um, doing a bit of research that you were planning on completing an MBA. So you went for uh, from engineering to now uh, more the business side, and an MBA is going to be maybe in the future plans. Can you exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. So basically, my my idea behind the MBA is that I still am lacking a little of experience and networking before going and jumping into completing an MBA, simply because uh, I believe that you bring a lot more to the table once you actually get that network and that additional expertise in building uh, structures for organizations. And then uh, I was lacking that aspect in engineering. Engineering is very oriented towards uh, technical and calculations and all the, the, those numbers versus uh, businesses a lot more uh, politics, interpersonal, uh, functional knowledge, and understanding how an organization structure works in general. So uh, because of that lacking financial aspect, uh, I think adding an MBA to my overall portfolio is going to be a very good added value to my profile and uh, is going to help me both in my organization and future endeavors as well. Yeah, awesome. That that indeed is a pretty uh, big value added. And uh, I, do, I do think the same way as you were having first experiences you came you go and and do that program that the mba you get way more out of it than just jumping straight into it and kind of figuring out with you know so uh, yeah, i do yeah. agree uh, with you on that point um i'd like to dig a bit deeper um in your current role that you have uh mm -hmm. all involved in supply chain and um just wondering let's say you have a new clients new new contract going on um yeah. you know they have supply chain issue you know that there's probably something you can do about it what does your process or the process you are typically going for your preferred process mm -hmm. sequence what does that look like for you yeah so it really depends on what phase of projects we're actually jumping in right so sometimes they call you towards the end of the project it's because we're already like all over the place we need a go live date within two months and we're lost we're we're, we're missing hands to help uh, so it's a very different approach than basically coming into the project prior to the project's launching, right? So uh, depending on the project, obviously, same approach is always going to be uh, my process. So understanding what the current processes of the client are, what are the tools that they're using? Uh, are we still with Excel spreadsheets and emails or are we already on an ERP structure? So it's very different between the sizes of the clients themselves, the phases of the projects that we're jumping into and also uh, the business that they're running. So what type of industry are we dealing with? So if we're dealing with manufacturing for mining, if we're dealing with aerospace, if we're dealing with uh, healthcare, it's very different, right? So uh, some organizations have higher value items that they wanna have uh, turning around not that quickly versus in healthcare, it's we don't really care about the dollar value. We just wanna make sure that we actually have the necessary medicine or uh, material in order to get the surgery over. We don't really care about anything else. Uh, so the approval process or the uh, DOA, when we're talking about the requisition process, is a lot simpler. Uh, we're, we're streamlining all those steps and trying to make it as linear and as automated as possible. 
So just trying to understand which industry am I jumping into? Uh, what are their current processes? Is there anything I, I could see right out, out of the bat that we could uh, do as quick wins? Uh, is there training? Because training is always one of the key features that uh, hurts an organization if it's lacking. And uh, also providing too much documentation could lose the focus of their users, right? So uh, are we having issues with turnaround? Uh, how many uh, people did you win, lose during the last couple of months? Uh, is that one of the reasons why we're basically taking a little lag on our current processes because those people are still getting trained? Is it natural or is that something that has always been there and simply no one ever actioned and we actually need to go and take a look and dig deeper uh, into the processes. So yeah, uh, making sure uh, to understand the current tools that the organization has, uh, the processes uh, that they're dealing with both on APAR and any other functional areas, and just trying to understand their day-to-day, -day, uh, how their business rolls and uh, what is required versus what is nice to have, right? That is very important when we're dealing with clients because a lot of clients tell me and it depends on who you're talking to if you're talking to an analyst you're talking to a director or you're talking to someone on the floor it's going to be totally different stories right so the guy on the floor is going to tell you i want it this way uh he wants to uh put all the blame and the responsibility on the higher ops you validate you approve you do everything and the only thing i do is place it in a box and that's it versus the higher ups are gonna want to delegate most responsibilities down the road and uh put more emphasis on their employees taking ownership of the action so it really depends so yeah the answer is it depends it depends yeah yeah and <laughs> exactly I, exactly i feel like this is a um uh, this is the perfect setup to bring in a consultant usually because um yep. it's the kind of knowledge about like okay we want to do this we're this company um but the 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 companies rarely have seen as much other companies set up in even in a similar industry as a consultant yeah. has so when he, the person come in is able to assess and say like i get i get all what all of you want but from my experience mm -hmm. this is what seems to have worked better like that setup Correct. or this setup might not be yep. the best um yep. so i totally get it and yes like everything depends and every every company seems seems yep. super different and custom in their need yeah yep. and and also when you see that they have tools, it's gonna help you in building a solution, right? So if they already have an ERP that's going uh, and they've been using it for a while, basically you could think of building controls. Like what are the key fields that we're looking to solve issues on? And you could build control directly into the system, making those fields required or putting any specific controls that you see relevant and maybe improving the overall process not stopping the process itself because you need documentation and everything, but putting those controls help tremendously if you have the proper tools uh, set in place. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. And you've mentioned um, about training uh, while, yeah. yeah, and what what makes me think, training makes me think of change management in any business. Yeah. And when we speak yeah. about implementation and starting a new implementation process, I'd be curious to know um, what would be maybe one recommendation of tackling that issue of change management at the beginning of a project, just so people that doesn't fear you, right? Coming into the yep. business can be yep. quite intimidating or like any, any, yep. any, uh, any tips yeah, there? The, the, 
Yeah, 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 of course. So basically, one of the key things that I always see as uh, issues happening during projects is key stakeholder decisions. A lot of times, we're going to have too many people implicated into decision making, or we're going to have too little. So mm -hmm. that's an issue. Usually, you want to have an internal project management team, and you want to have your partner project management team, the consulting firm that's working with you and whatnot. So you need to identify and put all the ownership for functional areas under the name of a single person. That person is then going to have the responsibility of making sure that they communicated and included every party member of their own team into the decision making. Because sometimes what I've seen is you get the person that is signing off on the project not being implicated on the project itself. And then when the solution is out, they look at it and they're like, what is this? It's the solution that their team wanted and not what they wanted. So you need to have everyone implicated. And for change management, that is very important into identifying the proper resources, the stakeholders at the very beginning of the project, because this is going to make it or break it because you're going to delay a lot at the end of the project. That's when everything starts to show, right? Like during the first phases of the project, your unit testing, your end-to-end -end testing, no one really cares because the deadline is so far away. It's three, four months away from uh, the final result. Yeah. And as we progress towards that deadline, people actually start going into the system and testing. And it's when real people test that everything comes up. So change management is very important upfront in the project in order to get the right people implicated at the very start. And what I usually say is, give me one name. This is my go-to as a consultant. I don't necessarily need to talk all that noise from everyone else. I need one person to contact if I need something, and I need to sign off from that person. Yeah. You take care of your team. You take care of everything that you need. And I will push back if I see anything that is flagged or if I see something that is outside of scope or best practices compared to what I've seen in the past. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of people, and this is during a work implementation, for example, because that's what I'm more uh, comfortable with. But a lot of teams have the person that's uh, responsible for sign off delegating to their whole team. Mm -hmm. Their whole team asked for 20 controls on the system. You build those controls, you validate those controls with them, and everything works. And then when we're getting close to go live, the project manager tells that resource to sign off. And when that resource actually gets feedback from people, a lot of people say, we're having a hard time into getting progress into our transactions because of that many controls. Mm -hmm. So what is required versus what is nice to have is very important to differentiate between the two. And uh, key stakeholders for the overall project uh, is important, both internally and externally. That that's super interesting. It made me think a bit also um, like classic um, tip in cell which is in cells, which is multi-threading a bit. Also, having let's say you are in a project. I'm sure it has happened to you before. Your yep. project, then your champion or your project manager internally quits. Yeah. Then what? And then what do you do? How do you keep going forward? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You only have and you brought up. And you brought up a very good point there because documentation becomes the sole proprietor of everything that happens. 
you need to have every decision making documented. Every up to speed, up to date workbooks, workbooks are basically just the list of configurable items with the data conversion files inside of them and so on and so forth. Everything needs to be documented and signed off at the latest and greatest dates in order to keep the project rolling if whatever turnover takes place. That is very, very, very important. You, you brought up a very important point out there. Yeah. Super good tips there. So to everyone listening, keeping keeping tracks uh, of, of what's happening to make sure progress is uh, documented. Um, yep. You've worked, we've, you've introduced yourself, you have a fantastic background. Um, you've worked with multiple global supply chains. Um, what have you seen as typical problems? Something that comes over and over again uh, within these big these big organizations and even smaller ones as well. If you have any uh, any examples, yeah, yep, for sure. So uh, one of the key things when we're dealing with supply chain is the volume of location, volume of items, volume of everything. Volume becomes the enemy during that implementation because such a high volume, people tend to basically let go of it and say we're going to take a look at it at the very end. And what happens is because of that high effort that needs to be taken care of day one, and they delay it and delay it and delay it until the last day, then it hits them. And that volume of data, the cleaning of the data is something that I always see organizations struggling with. So getting someone internally to flag that requirement and actually vet the data, make sure that what we're looking at makes sense. We don't have duplicates. We have a naming convention because from what I've seen, when organizations are going through an implementation, they have a wish list, right? They see, oh, it's the time for us to go and do a brand new implementation and we're gonna want this, 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 this. Okay, let's take a minute. We're gonna start by reviewing our data properly, making sure that what we're taking from our legacy system makes sense. We have a naming convention in place for everything that we're going to do starting from today and then we're going to talk about those improvements that you want to have and so on and so forth an implementation project is not necessarily the best time to talk about a gazillion improvements it's time to validate your current structure cut off what was bad streamline it try to automate it with the tools that you have in place because for example in workday you have to do steps in a business process. So automatically the system tells to the next person, this is your action required on your end in your inbox. And then after those action items, it continues, right? There's a flow and it is automated. So automation becomes a big, big time saver. And once we have everything structured and we made sure that our data is good, we have automated what we can automate. We have cut off what didn't need to take place, for example, I've seen organizations that had five levels of approval for the same dollar threshold. They were micromanaging, micromanaging, sorry, that specific transaction type. And at the end of the project, they just came back and said, you were right. We should have just let one person approve. And uh, afterwards, we just continue on with the, the delegation of authority structure. If it goes above the next threshold, another person is going to approve it because the more approvals you get on a system, it's not the same thing as what you had it on paper. Because on paper, you could have gone to the, that person and said, just sign this real quick. 
and then he signs it he goes to the next person who's right next in the office and he gets like five signatures in two seconds when you're in a system and it's automated it's not the same thing because there's an inbox and those action items fall into that inbox that person does not look at their inbox 24 7. they're probably going to take a look at it three times a day especially if they're in upper management yeah. they don't have that much time to spend on approving 45 small value dollar transactions yeah so that is something to to keep in mind during an implementation very very important to vet your data uh streamline your business processes to make them as minimal and uh complete as possible and put responsibility on the approvers uh documenting the structure of your warehouses you need to have all of that information already existing you need to understand your internal structures prior to even going into that implementation sometimes i i had a hospital that didn't know what locations are inside of their building how do we structure it okay you have rooms you have offices you have different locations how are you referencing them right now we don't really reference it okay well we're going to need to reference it we're going to need to build a structure with hierarchies that makes sense so that down the road when i tell you to go and pick up one specific item at that given location that person is going to be able to go and pick it up yeah so but, all of that is the, very important sorry go ahead the 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 bad data part um yeah it's truly financial financial because like yeah. um, it's really debt by a thousand paper cut right because if you yeah. like it's not hard uh in of itself to just take a bit of time and then just to do it properly for this part and, yeah but it's like you have to do this for a thousand stuff and then the volume is yeah. like the roof and then you're like yeah. i'm gonna do it and then at the end what you have is a mess right you have exactly, a yeah. ball of mess and this is where you come in and then you're trying to untangle this mess but uh this is this is this is usually what happened when uh, there's a lot of very small thing right and that no one is really owner of anything to to manage yep. that part um yep. and it's just like we go with whatever we have and at this point yep. the data become unusable at the end you can't do really anything with it and so it's yep. a feedback loop of of bad data people look at it like yep. why, why should i i can yep. continue trash. adding to that pile it's just trash in trash out exactly <laughs> yeah. trash in trash out it's like not in a bad wording but it, that is the issue i've seen organizations with over 200,000 items in their system they had the same item named 21 times differently for the same exact item yeah. because different people didn't take the time to actually search for the item and validate that that item already exists yeah. so what they did is they created a brand new one right that's the solution that a lot of organizations are seeing and at the end of the day that data validation is crucial because yeah. if you just say okay let's go let's load everything that we have from our legacy system into the new system you're just oh taking <laughs> your problems from the old system and putting them into the new system but that's exactly what's new now it's cool it's yeah, just yeah. a new interface not this and, and then the maintenance of this oh, yeah. becomes a pain it becomes very difficult yeah. so data clearing and validation prior to to doing the project is very important it takes a lot of time that's why i said it, it, when you come into different phases of a project you get to help different problems right yeah and yeah and this, this that's the interesting part that you um you touched on at, at the end is that 
the 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 way to ensure good data is this if no one touch it <laughs> if yep. no one touch it and it's just automatically getting yep. updated with the right feel at the right time depending yep. on the action of the users yep. Yep. then now it's perfect because the user don't have to like spend their time currency for all of these mini micro action yep. but yep. the system is just like it's just yep. structuring and piling up this data um yep. and this take two things it's take one a good schematic understanding of your data and two a good uh, schematic understanding of your processes and flow yep. so that there's no manual updates to be done exactly um, yep. and add to that the security structure because if you give restrictions to people that do not have the right to touch items because in a lot of organizations anyone could just go in and create an item security restriction is there for a reason and you need to identify which group of users you want to give the rights to do specific actions and which ones you want to restrict and this is something that we always help organizations with because at the end of the day if you give more security to someone for one audit trail in big erps exists so even if that person says i don't remember having touching that well we could go in and take a look at the history and we're going to see your name come in so if that person doesn't have anything to do with a given transaction or business object creation making sure that they have the proper security setup and restricting the accesses to the people that only are mandatorily required to have access to it is something that is very important during a project as well and that that, that is a super good point and especially in today's day and age right where cybersecurity and we see yep. even big big corporations getting axed yep. like yep. to be honest uh being in a startup small company mm -hmm. they didn't even thought like that such big companies could get act like this right um yep. seeing it so of course then having also secured access only to the right people in the company and making sure it's well managed uh, so it's a it's a it's a super super important point um uh currently we are also i mean in the manufacturing industry if we if we take that the specific industry uh when we think about supply chain what we've seen is labor shortage this is something that comes over and over again um have you um have you noticed any impacts from labor shortage in your experiences and what does that look like in your role when you go in and for example for a new contract you know there's not enough people for the, the works ahead mm -hmm. can you give us um yep bit there of course of course so basically it comes hand in hand with an implementation right so a lot of projects usually when an organization is starting a big project a lot of people just disappear because they don't want to have the headache of dealing with this implementation that's going to last for over a year. And after the implementation itself, they don't want to be around for all the problems that are going to come up before we actually go back to normal, <laughs> which is another four Everybody's years. Everybody's right? just like, <laughs> I, 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 this is not a joke. Yeah, yeah. One of my last projects, like that, one of my last clients that I finished my contract with them end of June uh, was a hospital in Boston. Okay. And we started off the project because I stayed with them for over a year. We started off the project with a team of 11 trainers, okay? So we had in, uh, in the organization, 11 trainers that were helping them, not from my organization, I'm talking internally. The hospital themselves had 11 trainers internally. I came in to support both 
the projects overall, the validation of the data, the testing, the processes, review, change management, and so on and so forth. And as time was progressing, my position was becoming more and more inclined towards helping with the training because <laughs> the people were leaving. <laughs> and at the end of the project itself, I was the only trainer to put in perspective. Okay. So when I'm, we're talking about labor shortages and those kind of issues, uh, having qualified people around is hard and keeping those qualified people around is even harder. So those are decisions for the organization to, to see what makes their employees want to stay more and the overall uh, synergy of the organization. But one thing that is always important, regardless of turnaround, high turnaround, low turnaround, is to get the people up and running and being able to do their job on a day-to-day -day basis. And to do that, you need training material. You need documentation. You need video recordings. You need one resource that is going to be available for Q&As because that person, and this is something that I see uh, happen all the time, when they're stuck, they're going to step away and they're not going to come back to it until maybe like three months from now when we pick up that specific item and we see, okay, but this is pending from March and no one actually actioned it. Because that person didn't have access to training material, didn't have access to any specific resources they could reach out to. And whoever they reached out to, to told them, I'm not the one that's supposed to help you. So having a structure internally uh, to help those people into picking up the work and getting up to speed is important without necessarily putting too much burden on the people that were there prior. Yeah. Right? So a coaching system is important for organizations. But documentation and being autonomous and getting access to that documentation is also very important. Yeah, decentralized uh, training system is is key when you, you have high turnaround. Like it, there's there's yep. no way around it because if it's not decentralized and it's like a few people, and yep. there's a high chance that these people leave, and then you you literally you have your yep. um, your expertise left. Yeah, when that when um. Uh, one one sub, uh, supplier that I've talked to, to told me that this phrase and said that some companies are amnesic because they 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 get so much like turnaround of high knowledge people that yeah. a big chunk of knowledge is gone now. Yeah. Their there high nothing. talent just left. Yeah. yeah, there was there was no knowledge base, so this is this is that. So yeah. I totally uh, totally agree uh, on the on the on that part for for this, and it seems like the the combination of um a long project with a high turnaround is deadly like uh it is how it is. like if the product is is mapped for three years and there's that many people and the turnaround is that much what it means that at the end of the project statistically speaking you should have a cycle through new people what are the chances that this project will get done right Yep. Um, so it's also the decision maker that started off the project is He's no longer gone. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, who, who took the decision? <laughs> Wait, yeah. it was Bob, but Bob's not here. Anymore. Bob is not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like the project. <laughs> Just for curiosity, I, I can maybe guess the answer, but uh, do you see a trend where X type of roles typically are there from the, for the long run and stays, or other roles are more willing? More, more quitting. I, I would tell you honestly, uh, it was around around the block, like everything, everything. 
maybe in healthcare nurses, we're seeing more, obviously, because their job uh, implicates them less in the system. But people that were implicated with the system on a day to day, uh, I've seen a lot of turnaround, regardless of the organization, right? So uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of people uh, getting burnt out because uh, they, they had, and this is very important. This is something that I'm going to put out there is they had their day to day job and the project. Yeah. And the organization was telling them, that's fine. You're going to be able to handle it. It should take 10 hours a week. And we're going to give you credit for those 10 hours. When the project is over, you're going to have vacation bank and so on and so forth. You're going to be able to take them when the project is over. A year from now, project is not over. And you're still not allowed to take vacation. What happens? People start to break down. Mm -hmm. That is normal. They have their day to day, plus they have responsibility on a project for right. high stakes, and they are product owners. So, for organizations, it's very important to budget realistically for the number of hours that a resource is going to be used and identifying which resources we need to take away from their day to day in order to support the project fully is going to be a very big positive in the long run yeah. because that project is short term that resources help is long term that resources talent is long term if you lose that person because you burn them down and they simply didn't enjoy working there anymore you're going to be lost on two fronts the resource front and then the project front who's taking over them they were the main decision makers so i've yes. seen this quite a lot and this is one of the key flags that we actually bring up yeah. at the very beginning of projects all the time have you staffed your team enough for the project yeah like what's going to happen uh is that resource 100 percent on the project or uh how many percentage of allocations have you put for the project yeah. or this specific yeah. resource like how many streams are they taking care of and so on and so forth this is yeah. something that is very important and as a project manager you need to to basically flag this up front yeah. in, in some um in, that's interesting uh, i've heard quite a lot of time with smaller companies smes where they don't necessarily have the budget to have someone full-time yep. with that. So I feel like it can be a good warning for those who are listening and maybe at the head of a smaller company of allocating the right resources or yep. getting that part right because it could be a, a do or die, right? Yeah. And that's when you bring in additional resources, contractors. Yeah. That guy is coming in to help. Like yeah. the project is not going to last for five years. He's coming in. He's going to be, I don't know, on uh, time and material or 40 hours a week. Uh, with the organization and he's going to be taking over quite a few of the functional areas responsibilities he's going to support the ones that are doing their day-to-day -day job and answering any questions that way at least the internal resources that are going to be staying around are going to be able to breathe right so yeah and it's it's important here to um put the optic of it because like if you if you, as a company you're saying like hey this is a super important project so uh, do your day-to-day -day work. And on top of that, you have this project. What you're truly saying is two things. Either it's not like what you when you contractually said to them that like you had this amount of hour, you yeah, lied. Hours Actually, a week. Yeah. It was like that much that you wanted. Mm -hmm. Or what you're saying is the project is not that important. So yeah. everything you're doing is more important than the project, um, yeah. which is like, then why are we even doing this project, right? So the 100%. right mentality is like, 
is this project critical do we think for improving our business operation yes it is we're going to invest in this thing fantastic we don't have the 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 leisure of like having more headcount okay mm -hmm. let's slow down a bit so that we can then increase and go faster because there's nothing worse than a work in project a work in progress project it's useless it's just wasting everybody's time the project needs to be done and it need to be small enough so that it actually can get done before people start to leave <laughs> yeah and and to be honest with you i've seen numerous projects where people did not leave they just said enough is enough like when you have deliverables instead of delivering they just say i don't have time and that's it right especially in unionized environments if it's unionized then forget about it the resource that you're working with is going to tell you listen i have a contract that states 35 hours a week after 35 hours i'm out as simple as that i've seen this happen quite a few times so overall budgeting for for hours and resources is one of the key things that needs to be done in order to prevent down the road issues that is super super interesting again to to, to uh, remind listeners if you are doing an implementation make sure resources are <laughs> resources who stays are your greatest uh, greatest allies um for implementation project um you've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast um about what what are the processes uh, and tools used uh, inside the company when you go and uh, work with them um you mentioned about Excels and emails. Um, in the search to pay process, we see it every day, right? Uh, it's yeah. always there. So I'd be curious to ask you, um, in the source to pay process, what uh, are the main steps within the source to pay that people have the most difficulty uh, with the artist part, right, for them? To be honest with you, uh, each organization has their problems. Like, every organization is very different but if i had to to identify something that i'm seeing a lot it is pertaining to having the communication from the buyer team to the actual team that pays those invoices sometimes the accounting team and the purchasing team are on two separate planets the purchasing team is the guy on the on the floor and he goes and purchases anything that he needs for his day-to-day he has old pricing. He has a purchase order that didn't go out. He has no documentation. And then they receive an invoice from the uh, vendor and accounting has to see this and match it to their books. Okay, where is this coming from? How, how is this making sense? And so on and so forth. And the bigger the organization becomes, the more this is important into validating that the process is streamlined and automated with minimal manual because at the end of the day your books are going to be what the government is going to look at and if you're a private or public company sorry if you're a public company your shareholders are going to want to know what's yeah. happening with the yeah. money right so if you're an organization that is looking forward to building a brand and growing and to becoming public that is a must so two-way three-way matching uh is your requirement two ways for services so po invoice if we're talking about goods then three-way we're talking about requisition turning into a po that po 
getting distributed properly, not, oh, I think I sent it. I typed in an email and the vendor tells you I've never received anything. And you go back in to check your emails and you see that you made a typo and it's been five months mm -hmm. and the project has not progressed at all. So those are the kind of things that as your organization grows, you tend to accept less and less. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's as an organization grows initially, not too much impact, especially when you have small volume items or small value items, you don't really care. But as you're growing and you're seeing the discrepancy in your books and you're seeing, we're seeing a lot more money coming out than the goods that we're potentially receiving. What's happening there? So it, 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 does, it does play uh, a lot in the game. But like I told you, it really depends. Different organizations are having different issues. On my end, uh, the hospital that I've helped was having a lot of issues with their vendor list. Their yeah. vendor list didn't have any contact information. So going back to the, the data, yeah. when you migrate your supplier list into your system and you don't have the vendor list email address or distribution issuing options, it is gonna be very hard to actually get your goods. And then when it's in the system, maintaining that huge list of thousands of suppliers is gonna take a while. And when you shift your focus from one thing to another, then obviously that other thing that you shifted your focus from takes a hit. So I'm working on my vendor distribution list now. I turn around, it's been two months. I have invoices I haven't paid, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what's happening. Uh, and I've seen it numerous times. So depending on the organization, it's very different. Uh, they could have issues with the requisition process. So they could have uh, the requisitioners being restricted to no one. So everyone is gonna be able to go ahead and request goods. They're gonna be able to purchase, pick up the phone, call uh, X vendor and just do whatever they need to. Or you could put restrictions on uh, your system and making it so that only specific users within the shop are gonna be allowed to go ahead and actually create POs. The requests themselves can come from anyone, but the PO creation and actually distribution to the vendor is restricted to a buyer team, for example. So going back to security, going back to data, going back to all of that, different organization structures, different issues. Yeah, that's super interesting. I see two main channels, which is could be which, which is internal communications and external communications, right? Yeah. Um, and the last part you've mentioned about requisition, we 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 see uh, from time to time also um just no process for acquisition right they can come from anywhere at any time by anyone um at the cafeteria they can come in the in the hall could be on the yep. post on the on the the, the, the procurement <laughs> office door right yeah um, yep. so pr processes become also a major uh issue for many many companies to have the right yep. process in place at first so yep. at least you have some borders and guidelines on yep. how you do each steps of the process, right? Of the source to pay yep. process. Yeah, and something that becomes even more important is that if you're doing all of this without even having a uh, system, like the yeah. tools, when we were talking, because I've seen organizations with Excel spreadsheets in order to follow the, the request. Yeah. Okay, but like, where's the name of the requester? How many items did he request? What was the item that he requested? And different organizations or different users are gonna enter the information differently. And then it becomes also an issue with the vendor. Like the supplier takes this order and he looks at it and he's like, what am I looking at? Yeah. What's the item that you're asking for? 
Like, and he calls back and he talks to buyers and buyers tell him, who ordered this? And they go back to their team and they're like, okay, who, 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 who needed this item? I think it was Bob, but I'm not sure. Oh, but Bob's on vacation. Okay, nice. <laughs> so it becomes, it becomes a, a circle of issues that is very tedious. It takes a lot of time away from being productive and building the business itself versus having the proper tools you have everything lined up in front of you like the the, the user comes in he types in create requisition the yeah. requisition comes up with already defaulted information in it he has a list of items that he has access to he's going to be able to select items he's not going to type in the item name he's going to select existing items that people made sure are correctly mapped correctly named in the system he's yeah. going to pick those items in He's going to be able to select the priority supplier because he's going to have a list of suppliers in the system that he knows I'm going to be able to find this item at that given supplier. And yes. the whole process from there becomes automatic. Literally, he submits, it gets approved, it goes to the buyers, they search it to appeal, the PO gets issued with the proper email address or EDI or whatever structure you, you want to have to automate because at the end of the day, Automation takes away manual processes and takes away errors. So it goes out, the buyer distributes, the vendor receives two weeks after your product is back in, depending on how, how fast of a turnaround you're looking for. It could take two days, it could take whatever, versus this whole process would have taken weeks yep. just internally if the process is manual and oh, I need this item, I send it by email to my supervisor. My supervisor goes in, he opens his Excel spreadsheet and starts to fill in. No, no it's, it, it's, it's a different, different uh, structure, different issues. Like I said, very, very, very different issues by organization and what type of organizations we're dealing with, what size of the organization we're dealing with and what tools they're using. That's super, super good advice. And it makes me think, it makes me think also of when we sometimes I speak with people about processes and having tools which put some strict guidelines, right? People mm -hmm. think, oh, and this is too strict. I like to be kind of be able, have more uh, kind of liberty. But the, mm -hmm. the example you just gave, having good processes, the right tools will give you way more agility because you're going to be able to save a huge amount of time in your operations which then gives you all back the time that you think or, or the, the the agility you're losing, right? So yep. having flawed processes, having the wrong tools also can cost um, some good employees or you're just getting tired and at some point yep. can leave. Just do a quick turnaround, or just a quick comeback about labor shortage, right? And people mm -hmm. leaving. Um, this is a good reason of why people are leaving. Not doing value-added work, just... Ex just um, trying to fight fires yep. And, yep. And, and think about it think about it someone that that's brand new that's coming into an organization that doesn't have the process out and goes by emails and excel spreadsheet how does he know which list of users he needs to reach out to for different products yeah like just picking up on that information he has the tools he has everything and then he goes into uh sending an email it's not working or uh that person is on vacation or whatever it it, it becomes a mess it becomes a total mess. Yeah. Uh, so having uh, tools in your organization does help tremendously. And as you grow, I believe it is a requirement to to grow with your tools as well.
Yeah. In in terms of uh, speaking about of tools, um, you uh, I'm sure you, you see from every type of setup possible because any every company has their own sets of tools. What are you typically seeing in in um, in, in in businesses? Um, and here it could be quite large, right? So any type mm -hmm. uh, of companies. What are the most typical contexts that you are you've been involved with? Yeah, so basically you're going to have the main three big uh, ERPs uh, that are going to be englobing pretty much everything. So we're talking SAP, Oracle, and Workday. So uh, Workday is going to be more on the service front. Uh, you do have hospitals, which was the original intent behind it. SAP takes literally everything uh, with uh, the vast range of uh, products that they're offering. And Oracle is also similar. So depending on the tools that you're dealing with, you could have internal integrations that are already happening inside of that same product because the vendor uh, sap oracle or workday already offered that additional feedback or that additional feature or you could go ahead and have integrations with other systems in order to migrate specific data from one system to another what i see is very different from business to business like my current clients is dealing with their legacy system that's going to keep on running for specific functional areas because those areas are very powerful and very report savvy in that environment versus their other areas are lacking in those uh, softwares. So they're migrating a lot of stuff into Workday that's gonna be helping them with reporting powers. So one of the things, especially when we're talking about tools is gonna be the reports because organizations at the end of the day wanna see metrics. They, as they grow, they're gonna wanna see What's happening? Where's my money going? What's uh, the volume of uh, requests that I'm dealing with? Have I sold enough? Uh, what's happening with my revenues? Why is money not coming in? Uh, who's the main customer that I'm having issues with uh, recuperating the money from? And so on and so forth. So reports become more and more important as you're growing your business. So uh, building those custom reports internally into your ERPs or having additional tools externally that are gonna help you in building those is very, very important. And I know that Workday is very flexible when it comes to reporting and building those custom reports and uh, so on and so far. No, su su super interesting. And you mentioned the the main three, um, the big 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 ERPs and yeah. all the the renowned systems. Um, do you encounter often some homemade systems in companies yeah. you work with? And how do you how do you work around that? Because we we've some when you when the company itself and from my experience when they've made the system themselves, they kind of have mm -hmm. a bit. They love, they love yeah, preference. Yeah, it's, yeah, their, yeah. it's their own system, yeah. right? Yeah so. yeah. so basically, I've seen I've seen uh, very different uh, previous ERPs, uh, PeopleSoft, uh, and other ERPs as well. So what's happening is usually if you've decided to migrate into a new ERP, you've already gone through the stages of sales and you've already understood what the product has to offer, or you're close to understanding what you're going into, right? So. Uh, you're improving because that system is obsolete or it doesn't give you as much power as you're looking for into driving uh, revenues up or uh, just managing your material internally better. So when it comes to any any ERPs, uh, they've built it internally or not, it takes a lot of time to maintain and to improve versus what's happening now with most of the big ERPs is they already have automatic releases that are taking place every couple of months. So it's a continuous loop of improvement. And those old systems that stopped improving, like PeopleSoft and other ERPs, are having issues into catching up with those big businesses. Yep. Like Workday has releases every six months. 
every six months, features that were not available are now becoming available. And they're always improving the current capabilities of the product. And the same thing is happening with SAP and Oracle. So it's about always staying on top of your stuff and always improving your software in order to not become obsolete in the market. And sometimes when you built a resource internally, what happens is the team that built that resource is probably gone. It's been 20 years and the people maintaining that resource are working, but they're mainly doing tickets. Yep. They're just solving day-to-day uh, -day issues. And you're not putting a new budget for building a brand new team from scratch that knows that specific product because the expertise has disappeared. Yeah. And also to add on that, which is super, um, super relevant with what you're saying is the, let's use Workday as an example. I don't know exactly how many customers Workday have, but the amount of expertise and knowledge about what should an ERP has as functionalities and how can they help you is, I don't know how many X times what you can do internally with your own knowledge, right? Yep. So yep. you can yep. get from outside, you have access to a big pool of knowledge because they build for the industry, right? Um, yep. So it's even more valuable than... Yep, and you, you get consistent customer service that comes along with those products. Yep. So. Uh, instead of having just your internal team and your guy tells you, well, I don't know, I don't have time this week or this uh, this month, uh, I have projects that I'm working on. You have consistent availability of additional resources from your partner, which is Workday or any other ERPs. Because to be honest, ERPs are pretty much all the same process. You're going to have the main uh, configurable items that you set up. You make sure that everything is properly done day one. Yep. You have your items, vendors, customers, uh, you name it, uh, clients, uh, information, employee information, and so on and so forth, the database, the data side of things that is in, inside your system. You're gonna have your business processes and your controls, and then you basically have your maintenance, like small bugs, uh, someone that is uh, not here and uh, they, they tested something, and for some reason their transaction went in, uh, in the cloud or whatever, right? So that always happens across uh, every ERP, but the same structure goes. It's always about validating your processes, validating the data that's coming in, validating the controls that you want to put in, and also making it as streamlined as possible and automate as much as you can to take away the human error. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, I have a um, quick follow-up question about um, different ERPs. Um, and I guess if we take the two main ERPs you, uh, we've discussed, we, we've discussed um, it's they can pretty much do it all and they could serve pretty much any type of companies, but mm -hmm. how would uh, an ERP be the right ERP for the right client? Is there any disqualification that the ERP provider or the consultant will do to, towards the clients or do they decide how do, do a new client will go about selecting the right ERP for them? So uh, some ERPs are basically built in a way that they are stopping some functionalities from taking place. So for example, an example of that is in Workday, the system has been built for internal items. Inventory module, the supply chain management module is built for internal management. So I'm purchasing my goods, I'm keeping them internally and not under the impression that I'm gonna be selling them. So the sales modules, the customer modules, customer contracts modules, does not talk to the inventory module. Okay. They are not linked naturally. 
you're going to have to do workarounds building integrations to transfer that inventory item into a sales item and being able to go ahead and sell it for a profit. So that's just an example. Different ERPs are going to have different business processes. And those business processes, depending on how they're linked, are going to make it work or you're going to have to build a bridge by yourself to make yeah. it work. Okay, no, that makes sense. So there's uh, some types of companies who are not going to match every every ERP system. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. have all the functionalities by title. Yeah. Then yeah. the processes, it, it needs to be um, yeah. well defined, I, I see. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting to, to, towards uh, the end. It's been a super, super good conversation. The amount of knowledge you have so far. I've learned so many things. I have so many notes on, on my sheet. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, You've mentioned at the end, having uh, helping many, many, many companies. Um, what are the typical or uh, maybe two folds my questions? So what would be the yeah. main impacts you're, you're going to provide on the company? And uh, let's start with that. What are um, the main impacts yeah. or software implementation that the company is going to benefit from? Mm -hmm. So the first thing is always going to be about processes uh, because we always want to validate and make sure that for the next 10, 15, 20 years, your processes are going to change, obviously, but at least you're making them as streamlined as possible and optimizing your system as much as possible. Like trying to have everything automated that we can so that your overall performance is up there. Okay. So first off is trying to cut down to the very basics. Try to get only the requirements, not the what I would like to have, not your wish list. We want to have the requirements up front. So identify the requirements for your business processes, identify the controls, what your organization needs to have in order to be able to even build reports, in order to even be able to bring out uh, the products and purchase and so on and so forth. What is required from your business right now? So we get that information in as early as possible. So we get that into the system, we get configured, and then always, always about the data. Data is tremendously important you need to be with them and help them in understanding what is the power of the tool that you're building for them and how they could optimize it are we going to start off with putting all the information that we have if we even have it into the system or are we going to be building on top of it because there are multiple features within an erp that are going to be able to give you additional depth additional information and additional configuration power from the same exact item. For example, in Workday, you could build a purchase item just with an item description and a spend category and very minimal information, the unit of measure and whatnot. Or you could go ahead and put alternate item identifiers, meaning you could put manufacturer name against it, you could put links to supplier websites, you could put uh, priority suppliers, you could pre-map the pricing of those supplier items directly in your system. Yeah. You could build so much. If it's an inventory item, you could put the default locations. You could put the sites in which you're going to be finding it. How is it going to replenish? Is it going to replenish automatically? Is it min-max? You could go in detail and leverage that tool to maximize everything that you can. Yeah. Or you could really use just the very basics of it because my requirement is strict to the point. I need an item name that is with a naming convention that we have identified up front. I need my spend category, the pricing, and the unit of measure. That's it. So depending on the business, like I said, 
validate the requirements. What is absolutely needed before getting started versus my wish list. Because if you start working on the wish list first without getting the basics right, you're going to be turning in circles. Yeah. And the project is going to take forever. And a lot of people are going to be frustrated. And it, it reminds me as well of a, a previous webinar we, we've done where having keeping it to the basic at first allows you to see yep. progress and celebrate this progress so yep. you can have the momentum going. And then once you have the momentum going, you just go faster and faster. Yep. You could always add on top of it and improve and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's an iterative process. Yep. Second thing is give me the names of the people I need to talk to. Give me the names of the people I need to reach out to. Who is going to be the key stakeholder signing off on anything and everything in this project? That is the list that you need to get day one. And that list needs to be updated every single time there is a change. Because I don't want to reach out to someone and he tells me, I'm no longer on this project. Uh, figure it out by yourself because it has happened. And then timelines. Are crunchy like you don't have 25 months to 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 get like one load completed yeah. you have one week and in that one week if that person disappears on you then who are you reaching out to because that person needs to pick up do the work explain it to him because he probably doesn't have any idea what's happening and get a result out of him so it's very very important to actually identify those and last thing is user readiness building a plan for your users to be ready for that implementation to go. If upper management is all aware of the parties going on Friday, but the rest of the team only hears about it on Friday, you could imagine that the rest of the team is not going to be happy not being at the party. Yep. So getting everyone on the same page and giving them the tools and the resources in place to actually be able to get up and running as soon as that date comes along is very important. And at that point, you can't do much about it because you're not going to force someone to go into the system and do testing. You can't force someone to read through the documentation that you gave them. That is up to them to do. Like you give them resources and then it's up to them to validate if they want to be part of your organization and they want to work and improve themselves or if they want to become obsolete like the softwares and be pushed away by the new, greater, and newer version out there. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's super, super great explanation. And my second fall of that question was about a, bit of, a bit more about you that personally, which is um, what do you love the most about what you're doing when you do an implementation? Like, what are you looking forward to, right? Because I know for yep. them, it's kind of the goal live, having everything automated. Yeah, yeah, everything is rushed and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just stressing. Like, I love coming into that situation, seeing that everyone's running all over the place and having actually a plan of action. Like, because people, when they tend to stress and they don't know what to do anymore, because priority of operations is all over the place. Like, no one tells them, okay, you need to finish this first, and then we action the second step, and then the third one, and so on and so forth. Because I've been... I've gone through this multiple times. Like I've done this over 17 times. So you get the idea behind what a project is going to look like. You know where the project is right now, and you're going to see the potential steps that need to be taken in place in order to actually get to that delivery date and make everything happen. 
when you start freaking out and not taking action, you're just losing time versus taking that person and saying, okay, let's actually start by doing baby steps, actioning this list. I want by end of day, you finish this, this, and this. I'll review with you today in the evening and we'll go over any questions that you have. Tomorrow morning, I want those documents available and ready and up to, to, to get the job done. So having that project management approach and actually telling people we need a plan and here's the plan, not just saying, okay, how are we gonna do this? Like I, I need to come up with the plan and tell them, okay, so you're at this phase of, of your project. What is deliverable? What is the timeline? And I'll be able, I'll build a plan with you and I'll do the follow-ups to make sure that that plan is actually completed. So taking that freaking out client, helping them to actually action their action items and then seeing the product up and running and then optimizing that product with them is what I love. Because you could see how an organization went from literally having no processes and having such a hard time into understanding what the heck is happening into now having reporting capabilities that are even outside of what they thought was possible. They could start building on top of their existing new product and they just get better and better and better as time progresses. And because you've been there and you've understood their current processes, if they started prior to you jump, jumping in, you could start giving recommendations of maybe you, you didn't think of doing this. That would be a good improvement to your systems. Uh, have you built the training and material? What is the functional area that you're seeing your users struggling with the most? So I'll build that training material for them and just schedule some calls. And for those people to jump in, you're going to have a recorded session with me and the main key stakeholders from your organization. We're going to go over the step-by-step -step guide and we're actually going to take on questions. If you have anything that you're confused about, I, as a functional expert, am here. and your project uh, owner on the, the, the client side is there because he understood the business because he's been there for 10 years. And we're able to actually get everything into a single call. And if you didn't attend because you were busy, you have the recording. Yeah. The, the, I love the answer. Uh, and that can give also a hint of people listening. If you feel like you're freaking out right now <laughs> during an implementation, that, that that's when, normal. That's a, that's a good tip. You should call Mohammed and he's going to be the one to help you out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I said, resources on a project. And yeah. sometimes you jump in and you see the project and you see why people are freaking out and you understand why people are freaking out. Mm -hmm. The guy is doing 80 hours a week. Yeah. He's starting off at 6 a.m. and he's finishing at midnight every day. He has kids that he needs to go and pick up from the kindergarten. He needs to take them uh, back home, shower them, feed them. And then he's back on the computer until midnight. And he's been doing this for a year and he didn't have the right to take any vacation because it was during the implementation. And he was one of the key stakeholders. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, just just hearing about this and uh, like, of course it happens and I'm sure it happens more than we can think of. and. Um, it, it's just that from the get-go, if you, you're planning, you've mentioned it about planning the resources and what are going to be the implications for the team. Again, mm -hmm. make sure that everyone can have a steady and for a longer period of time, steady amount of work that they're going uh, to have a successful implementation. 
Um, yeah. That that hour and fifteen minute discussion uh, has been I've been super interesting. Uh, I have many more follow up questions, but I want to be respectful of your time, and um, I'm sure we can maybe do a round two at some point if. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to first thank you, thank you to uh, taking the time with us. And uh, where can you find you? How can we reach out to you? Anyone that want have any questions or like to talk to you? Yeah, for sure. So basically, uh, my LinkedIn is just Crid Mohammed. You're going to be able to find me. Uh, my company is Mackenzie Inc. Uh, feel free to reach out uh, via phone number. I assume uh, Yassine is going to be able to share that information with the audience and my email address uh, for my organization directly. But uh, otherwise, uh, I'm always a phone call away from uh, having a chat, uh, obviously scheduling a call with uh, anyone that is interested in having a discussion and just uh, getting a better understanding of your situation and uh, hopefully helping uh, you get better results, alleviate the effort from your team and basically just get overall better uh, project management, implementation and functional expertise from someone that's been around and done it quite a few times. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mohamed. Yassin, any last word? That was good. <laughs> awesome. So uh, that's a wrap. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. And see you next time. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Yassin.